This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Howling Dark, book two in the Sun Eater series by Christopher Ruocchio, and Nick read Murder Mamas from Ashley and Jaquavis. No last names given. It's Bibliovile, a terrible book exchange podcast. We're back. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here for another episode of bringing you some of the worst books we can find from our public library. We're back there in person nearly every episode again. It's great to be back. Uh, the government is once again putting me on many lists for all of the different things that I Yeah, am. we got some doozies this yeah. week. Yeah, um, uh, for very different reasons, as I'm sure we'll get into. I'm sure we will. But one of the things that I realized going back to the library, that is a thing that you can do, and it's amazing that I never thought of it, and not many people I know of have thought about it, you can check out cookbooks from the library. It's been great. I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but um, given the last 18 months of pandemic, we didn't do a whole lot of eating out at restaurants. And Mick is a wonderful cook. But when you're almost exclusively eating at home and does start to... You know, get some repetition. It's good to get some new recipes in there. So, yeah, finding some new stuff. It's great. I will say we didn't eat out at a lot of restaurants, but we did, uh, according to our bank account, do a lot of takeout. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe we need to cut back on the takeout a little Uh, bit. So, yeah, it's been thrifty July, and we got the cookbooks, and uh, uh, I got a chopped cookbook or whatever, which I think is kind of a hilarious... Uh, I guess oxymoron, because the whole thing about Chopped is like, oh, what ingredient are you going to have? It's Iron Chef without the fun. Um, but it had some cool stuff in it. Yeah. So I, we put it on our, our menu for the, the week. Uh, and after we got home from visiting Madison, Wisconsin, we uh, or I went out to go get groceries and I needed to thread a pretty slim needle uh, to get home for some D&D. And uh, in order to accomplish this, Susan, I, I, <clears throat> I don't love admitting this, but I had to be... I was rude to the cashier. Oh, I feel like, though, with as long as you've worked in service, if you were rude to a cashier, you might have had reason to be. Thank you for the vote of confidence. What happened? Well, you see, I was, uh, I had already texted the DM, Katie, loyal listener, that I was going to be under five minutes late. Uh, and I got to the cash register, as you do, and I was putting stuff on the belt. And there was this guy that I'd seen before. He's relatively new, kind of a high school kid. He looks like a guy I went to college with, but is, is not as cool. Um, and he is sliding things through. And you know how, do you want your meat in a separate bag? I said, no, that's fine. I live, I didn't say this part, but I live like two minutes away. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be fine. It's not going to cross-contaminate two minutes. And he goes, oh, okay, well, I'll just put it separate and double bag it. And he's, like, talking to me. Did you find everything okay? Yes. How are you doing? Good. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, the other thing. I'm like, oh, okay. And- I, like, I get it because it must be kind of a boring job. And I'm sure you want to do something to pass the time. And chatting with customers is the thing the to pass the time. The worst possible thing. But, like, also isn't it the point to 
get people through the checkout line efficiently. Yeah, and it's like, I know that I should be nicer to people, but it's sort of that, you know, like New York politeness where it's they're, they're being brusque does not necessarily mean being rude. It means like, I respect your time. We're moving on. Yeah. Um, and so... He then picks up, uh, I made burritos and burrito bowls tonight, so I had tomatillos. And tomatillos are not an especially, you know, I assume not an every cart kind of produce. Yeah, I feel like every time I buy tomatillos, the cashier asks me what they are. Well, that's what he did. Yeah. He picked them up and he said, well, are these tomatillos? And I said, yes, those are those are tomatillos. All right. And he picked up some white or yellow onions and he said, are these yellow onions? And I said, Yes. That one's pretty obvious. I feel like everyone has a yellow onion in their cart. Yeah, and he, he was like, oh, sometimes they're Vladino onions. So I wanted to, I was like, number one, Vladinos are not that big. Vidalia, but sure. Sure. Um, and number two, uh, I was thinking of the Mystery Science Theater character. Ah. Uh, Thepi Maimon. Easy to confuse those with things you find in your grocery cart. They make a joke about it on the episode, so I guess they do too. Um, yeah. But I want to talk to him about the the horses and zebras thing. Like, you hear ho- hoofbeats, you should think horses. Not zebras. Yeah. you see an onion, you should think yellow onion. It's probably just a yellow onion. The thing that everyone cooks every meal with. Yeah, anyway. So then he puts it down and he picks up uh, parsley. And he says, is this cilantro? And I said, no, that's parsley. And I, I understood that one too. Because yeah, they like, look I've, the same. I've and they're made, in a bag. Yeah. I've made that mistake and the tacos did not turn out very well. <laughs> um, and so there you go. And he, as he's putting it back down, he goes, what's the difference? And I'm not looking at him because, God, no, making eye contact... Uh, and so I just don't say anything, but I can see he stopped scanning and is looking at me because he expects me to answer. What's the difference between cilantro and oregano? Okay, or parsley? but keep scanning the groceries, well, buddy. It's also like, what do you want me to say? They're different plants. That's the, that's the end of the, the long and the short of it. What's the difference? They're different plants. And so to hurry things along, I said, I don't know. They're different. Like, what do you want me to say? And one's from the genius Horticultura in the other. Yeah. Whatever. And so then he's like, oh, you don't know. Okay. Goes to start scanning it, but the woman behind me. Oh, no. Starts explaining it. Cilantro is more of like a minty sort of Tex-Mex and uh, parsley is what you'd use in a time. And if it was the guy is like listening as he's scanning the cans of black beans or whatever that I have. Cool. Good. But he has put the stuff down and it's oh turned. Oh, my God. I wish I could yeah. show you visually. Turned to look at the woman behind me. Why would she do this? Because presumably it is also in her best interest if your transaction goes quickly. Oh, well, there's a thing. Uh, and so this is when I'm rude is he has stopped and is talking to the woman behind me after slowing everything down to begin with. And I said, hey, buddy. I'm sorry, but clock's ticking. Like, I need to get somewhere. I have i didn't say it, but I have D&D. I need to get home. And also, do your, like, please just scan the groceries. Yeah, please just do your job. Well, I don't know you. Um, And so he goes, oh, and begins rushing. Like, there's a vine of a guy who works at Starbucks that's, like, trying to work so fast or Dairy Queen or something that he's, like, spilling everything. And the guy couldn't get stuff into bags, and he was ripping the bags wrong. And, and then he's like, fuel saver? I said, no, because I don't like being on lists. And then he asked if I wanted to receive. I said, no. And then he told me the total, which I already knew because I'd already paid for it. And then he, I said, okay, thank you. Have a great day. Well, you know, I'll see you yeah, later you, or whatever. You weren't being a dick. Through, like, well, I wasn't. You, you were know. kind. Like, you were polite to him at the end. Yeah. But he turns to the woman that is after me and says, are you in a rush, too? 
And the woman says, no, I'm not. I'm like, okay, so I'm the asshole for whatever. I am, and I'm going to turn that over in my head for the next three weeks. But still, I felt a little bit justified. I just feel like there's no need to turn getting groceries into a production. Like, that is wonderful that he is trying to be nice, and I totally get wanting to chat with customers. It I probably don't. makes the you time. Never worked at a it probably <laughs> makes the time go faster it for him. Doesn't, but not at the expense of getting customers through the line efficiently. Yeah, so it was a it was a whole thing. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be mad at myself for a while, but uh, I just need to get that off my chest. So the you know, cancel me, mm. I guess. Um, for yes. being rude to the It's going to be trending on service. Twitter tomorrow. Yeah, Nick we'll Dickinson a, we'll canceled. Put, we'll put a poll up and which one, who's right, and the lady in behind me is the right one, whatever. Watch, he's actually going to be transferring to the school that you teach at next year, and he's going to be in one of your classes. Yeah, I can't go through that line anymore, that's for sure. <laughs> anyway, speaking of long, winding stories. Uh, Michael. Tell me about this sci-fi book that I got you that is how many pages? 657. 657? Why, that's over twice as many pages as my book had. Mick's book had 236 pages. So when I gave it to him in the library, and then he gave me this monstrosity, this doorstop of a book, I was a little miffed. And his response was, you read fast, you'll be fine. Were you? Yeah, I finished mine before you finished yours. There but you it's the principle of the thing. I would rather read 657 pages of good book or well, at then. least medium good book. Don't do this podcast. Ugh, this podcast was your idea. Anyway, this yeah, book... Yeah, which makes it all the more egregious you joined. This book is book two in a series, <laughs> as we are wont to do in Bibliobile. But the worst part is that this is book two in a sci-fi series. Because for, like, the hockey sex book series or whatever, getting book six is, like, I don't know who these characters are or, like, what the relationships are between them, but I understand how the world works. Getting dropped into book two of a sci-fi trilogy is so much worse because not only do I not know who the characters are or their relationships between them or what has been set up in book one, I don't understand how the fucking world works. I don't understand anything about this. Where are we? What are we doing? What time period is this set in? Oh. The answer, by the way, is like thousands of years into the future. So you just read Dune. Just say you read Dune. Okay, but no, it was actually, it was less Dune and more Mass Effect. Ah. I got some very definite Mass Effect vibes. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Mick, would you like to describe the Mass Effect trilogy? It's a video game series on the sixth generation of consoles, PS3 and Xbox 360. Um, it's about that there is a sentient race of robots coming to destroy all organic life because eventually organic life invents AI and it'll overtake it. And so the Reapers are actually uh, built by some ancient life force to always correct for that. And you play as a guy who punches a bunch of people and has really awkward sex. So that is the exact plot of Howling Dark. Down to the awkward sex? Down to the awkward sex. Does the main character say, we'll bang later? Uh, 
No, that probably would have been an improvement on the main character's dialogue (laughs) in this book. This is my favorite book on the podcast. The only (laughs) book or the only thing about the plot summary that is different is that like the Reapers don't come every like it's not like a cyclical thing where they come every however many hundreds of years. Everything else is exactly the same. Sentient Life invents AI. It takes over. The Reapers are coming to they're not called the Reapers. They're called the Sielsen. Uh, like and that boner pill? <laughs> it does sound like a medication. Side effects include genocide of the human race. Um, oh, so it's it's actually... Uh, and it's all up to one guy to save the day. His name is Hadrian Marlowe. Oh, so he's a Scottish detective uh, that goes to the fringes of an empire. One of my favorite okay. characters... <laughs> Uh, By the in, way, who called it Hadrian's Wall and not Scotchgard? <laughs> Thank you. Finally. Oh, that makes up for me not really acknowledging your previous joke, because that one was really, really funny. No, thanks. <laughs> oh. Um, so, this is so Mass Effect-y. Down to the detail of one of my favorite characters, and I think it's Mass Effect 2, is a uh, a, a scientist. He's like a, a geneticist, a scientist. Mm-hmm. What race is he? He's a Salarian. Oh. Um, and there is an almost identical race uh, described very similarly to the Salarians called the Extrasolarians, and there is yeah. a scientist slash geneticist character. And his name is Schmorden Wallace. <laughs> um, I don't remember what his name is. But he even... He doesn't sing songs from the HMS Pinafore. He, he sings songs from some other musical. He even talks the same. Like, if you, if you remember um, that character in Mass Effect 2, he speaks very quickly, very clinically. He, like, kind of has the nervous mannerisms. That's exactly how this character is written to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just, oh, this feels kind of Mass Effect-y. Like, this straight up copies a lot of things from Mass Effect. So he's the um, very model of a major modern alien? <laughs> That's the song he sings. You don't remember that? <laughs> no, I do. Okay. I do remember that, but I don't know how you remember all that so quickly. So kind of the main, I'll run you through some main plot points, and then I'm going to tell you about some of the things that annoyed me about this book. So basically what happens, I could not even begin to tell you what happens in book one because I did not learn enough. There was not enough explanation for me to to understand what happened in book one. But thank God there wasn't because otherwise this book would have been longer than 657 pages. Did they spend a lot of time on some sort of space station like the Kitadel or something? (laughs) Um, So they are trying to find a planet called Vorgosos. Um, They're trying to find this planet because they think it is the key to ending the war between the Sielsens and the human race. Our main character has been on this crew trying to find this planet for 48 years. Ah, Jesus. Yeah. But because of the way that, like, traveling in space works, it's been 48 years of time, but he has not aged 48 years because they put very, they take turns basically putting them on ice and cryo 
preserving them mm. um, and putting them to sleep. That part was actually kind of interesting about like how that plays into all of the dynamics between the crew and like all of the people on the ship when some of them are asleep for many years at a time. Yeah, instead of the Normandy, it's the Brittany. Basically, the yeah. The Cherbourg. Um, they have a rendezvous. It gets messed up. Some people die. And his superiors decide they're going to give up on the mission. They are no longer going to try to find Virgosos. They are going to return. They're going to turn around and go 48 years back in the other direction um, to help with the war because they think this is like this mission is pointless. We're not going to accomplish it. Uh, Hadrian basically like betrays his superiors and he splits the party. Like they essentially like steal a smaller ship. He takes some of the people with him. They take off for Vorgosos. Um, then when they get there, um, they meet a 15,000 year old ruler, uh, who refuses to help him, help them and basically traps them on his planet. Uh, is that so that they can have sex in front of them with DNA and her <gasps> I was actually breasts. really, really afraid it was going to devolve into some sort of weird sex experiments like sex that experiments. one horrible book that I read. I can picture the cover, but I can't remember the name because I blocked it out of my memory. Um, we, even, we didn't even give the title on the episode. It's just some racist garbage. Yeah. They discover <clears throat> the Machine Lords. Uh, Hadrian's commander, Bassander, basically, yes. Uh, Bassander comes to Virgosos to get them back. Uh, but he then, like, he gets them back from the 15,000-year-old ruler, but then uh, imprisons them on his own ship. The Stielsen arrive. Negotiations happen. We get through 100 pages of negotiations that is not an exaggeration over 100 pages of negotiations to end this war and then Bassander, the former commander just like gets tired of waiting pops in and shoots a bunch of people basically making all of the negotiations moot a bunch of people die and then somehow hadrian becomes half immortal um and saves the day and the war is over and then we're getting ready for whatever happens in book three Oh, sweet. It's all right. A happy ending is the best ending, you know? A hundred plus pages of negotiations. You know how one of the things that people love to complain about with the original Star Wars trilogy is that it takes this, like, really cool world and storyline that's been built and then, like... The prequels. It's a Yeah, the prequels. It's a bunch of, um, like, trade, trade negotiations. Yeah. That's basically what this felt like. Like, there are some cool things about this. I didn't really understand them enough to genuinely appreciate them. But when you waste a sixth of your book on negotiations that wind up not mattering because some rogue dude puts a bullet in almost everyone's head, it's kind of hard to feel like it was worth reading those hundred plus pages. It could have been worse. You could have had that one innkeeper book where the whole book is about a... Uh, peace process, a peace negotiation. But that was not 657 pages long. True. Do you want me to tell you again exactly how many pages were in this book? Uh, so like 630? Yeah, somewhere around there. So like only 500. So it. it's really hard to explain the pros in this book. Um, what about the cons? It is... <laughs> um, It just... I feel like the best way to describe it is a way that we have described other books recently, which is too many words. Yeah, with, with slightly over 400 pages. It's oh naturally going to be uh, too many words. Um, it is just like there's just there's just so much. So I'm going to read a paragraph to you. 
It is strange, is it not, that there are always people such as I. Is this quoting or is this a quote or a narration? This is a narration. Oh, Jesus. Men who believe the stranger is always more trustworthy than their neighbor. When we were young, we looked to the stars with hope, praying that what gods or kings there were in the unpastured dark were greater than man, and so moral and righteous beyond imagination. Like Jean-Luc Picard. We imagined they might descend from heaven and bless us with their gifts, and that it was only human nature that corrupted, for evil required the black hearts of men to create it. In my flagellatory arrogance, I could not conceive of evils other than our own, darker and stranger, nor could we conceive that what was evil to us was natural to others, incidental. But Satan sprang not from Adam, and it was from the blood of Kingu that Marduk made the first men, not the other way round. Evil is older than we, other than we, or is greater than extending back and forward across all consciousness of time. Reader, there are other devils than man, and by our evolved reason, we may be sure of understanding human devils only. That is what I read 657 pages of. He addresses the reader so much, and I hate it. I hate it. Stephen King gets to do it because he writes airport fiction otherwise. So It's just like the narration is so pretentious, but the dialogue does not make the main character seem that smart. Like he's constantly fucking up and like ruining plans that have major consequences, sometimes life and death consequences, for other people but then like in the exposition he's talking like that and it's really irritating like he has one of those swirly brandy glasses constantly he like the impression overall that that i got out of this character over 657 pages uh is that he thinks he is a lot cooler smarter and more impressive than he actually is. Now, here's the question. Is that a choice by the author to make a character who is a dumbass, pretentious asshole, or is it that this author can't write a character as cool as his narration? So I think there are definitely elements of the first one. I would know if you hadn't gotten me book two, um, because this character is from, like, old money. Ah. And so I think there are elements of the first thing that you said, but it doesn't necessarily come across super great. Do you want to hear more narration from this guy? Sure. The type of guy who posts a handsome man that's not him on Twitter and says (laughs) big brain moves. Basically. So this is a description of the planet Virgosos. So they finally get there after 48 years. More like verbosos. A single, that's, that's pretty good. Thank you. A single spar of adamant, black as hell, reached up from that pale and shadowed planet like a pillar of smoke, like an accusing finger aimed at heaven. Impossibly thin it was, hanging like a thread of evil gossamer between the planet and the stars, rising mile upon thousandth mile into the dark, darkest title case. It was toward the tower we sailed, each ship silently guided into its berth about a station platform which sat atop the lift column the way an insect sits atop an antenna. We did not see the enigma of hours vanish behind us appearing with the telltale glimmer of a warp before it vanished into the superluminal. We had a mind for nothing but the sound of docking clamps seizing the hull. We had arrived. I'd like to describe what happened in my brain. 
while did you stop paying attention because i did yeah while you're reading that it just sort of like uh steely dan just quietly fade fade faded in and it's like <laughs> you know for the man that stole your water is going back jack do, do it, it again. again and i i was having a great time and then he stopped reading i was like uh, um yeah podcasts. it's fine you didn't really miss uh, much verbosos so i feel like there are two important caveats to make i don't love sci-fi it's just That's not you it's mass effect it's just i loved mass effect i don't love reading sci-fi oh, okay. um it is just not really my genre of choice um i have a hard time sort of making sense of the world building because I feel like sci-fi often does the thing where it just drops you in with very little explanation. Even good sci-fi books that I've enjoyed, like we read one for book club called Embassy Town that I wound up really liking. It took me a while to sort of figure it all out. Um, It's just not something that like instantly clicks with my brain. So I think that is definitely coloring my feelings on this. And also I started with book two, like people who are reading this like choosing this on purpose are probably not starting with book two um but i just didn't like it i thought the main character was really irritating and pretentious and annoying and i did not care what he had to think about things but he made me read 657 pages of what he thinks about things and it was really annoying well susan have you ever considered possibly the greatest detriment between you and enjoying science science fiction What's that? You're a woman. Women can't enjoy science oh, fiction. Oh, you're so yeah. right. Duh. I'm just not smart enough. Yeah. It's a, My little lady brain just can't really handle next it. Next time, I'll get you one of those cookbooks and you can... Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Especially because you do all of the cooking in our no, home. No, that's not why I was kidding. <laughs> so is that is that Howling Dark? That's the Howling Dark. I... Yuck, man. Not my fave. You, you did it, and you did it faster than I did. I did. I just sort of powered through it. First, I made a goal that I was going to read 100 pages of it a day, and then I just started kind of turning my brain off and letting it wash over me, and and I I think I finished it in like four days. Yeah, see, that the things when you say that are why I don't feel bad getting you a 600-page book and it was barely more than like 300 pages so okay 657 is a little bit more than 300 it's it's over 200 pages like well yours was just over 200 pages yeah murder so mama we basically had the same book you're right we basically <clears throat> did so bibliophile listener possibly this is the wrong way to do it because as our quote from last time john schwarzwelder once said you have to trick somebody with the first paragraph one they're in the process of throwing the book away and we uh, should probably, in a different life, uh, trick you guys within the first half of the podcast while you're in the process of closing the app. Um, but instead, we always put what we think is the more complainy po- uh, book Which, Whichever one of us we feel has more to talk about talks yeah. last. And about... 40% of the way through this book, I was like, uh, Murder Mamas. I was like, oh, Susan will have to go second. You know, it's it's not good, but it's just kind of like a je ne sais quoi bad. Mm. Um, and then <laughs> the more I read about it, this might be the single 
biggest failure of storytelling oh, of book writing no. since the Midnight Sins quadrology. Oh, no. Now, I do want to point out that it is not a failure of word-to-word failure as Midnight Sins was, where Midnight Sins was, like, impossible to read. Yeah, like, the, the, the chronology of that book made zero sense. This is an entire failure of literally remembering what the book is about. Oh, no. So, before we hop into it, uh, Susan has gotten me a book of, from a certain genre, the urbanbooks.net genre, where drama meets the streets. And so, Murder Mamas is uh, written almost entirely in uh, African-American vernacular of English. Mm-hmm. And I will not be attempting to do any voices, nope. and I will skip several words. The yep. uh, Actually, I will replace several words. Um, I do think there is an argument to be had about certain primary sources that you have to like actually do with the... Not murder this mamas is, on this a is podcast. This not the podcast and not the document. No. Um, so I'll be reading it in what is possibly critics have described as the widest voice possible that well, I have. Well, you are indeed a white man. Yes. Um, and I will be replacing certain big words with words like dude, uh, which should create some fun in, mm-hmm. at times when I have to quote it. <laughs> Sir. No, just dude. Fella. No, just dude. <laughs> We're going with dude. Um, so I need the notebook that you put away from because uh, we use the same notebook this time. We now have four notebooks on the desk, yet managed to share one for our uh, podcast. We were traveling. We were trying to downsize. Mick read most of this book on Michelle's couch and um, did a lot of... Putting it on my yeah, face. face planting. Hi- hiding it. from the world in it. So the first things I'm going to do are why I had that disclaimer at the front, because I'm just going to be quoting things. Because I thought it was just going to be the writing, which is kind of clunky and not good. And then it gets far, far worse than that. So the uh, book that is pitched on the back of here is that Ares is a beautiful woman with an ugly secret. Uh, She is part of a specialized hit squad like uh, Kill Bill style uh, called the Murder Mamas. And they hide in plain sight by having the words Murder Mamas tattooed on their wrists. That seems like a really good way to keep your secret club a secret. She has tried to lay low in Barbados, where she is originally from. Ares is her name. Was she born in April? I don't know. Mm. And she uh, got kind of confronted by Case, this uh, drug pin from L.A. that she used to work for. And she is, uh, as it says on the back of the book, he's got a score to settle with Macy, who is the um, mayor-ish of... uh, LA. Uh, and so now Case wants her to kill him and is basically holding over this previously failed job and threatening to kill her new family to do it. Oh, shit. Okay. Easy peasy, straight up and down, some crime stuff. Yeah. There you go. Um, Being blackmailed into doing crime. Yes. Yeah. The uh, thing about it that I'll get into is that you know which character features the least in this book? The, the main character, Ares. Ares. Uh, is featured very, very little in this book. But let's go ahead and already read. So who... who I'll get winds there. Up? Okay. Um, so let's just read some of the quotes that I thought was going to be the gist of my review, and then we'll fo- we'll get into the, uh, the big stuff instead. So... 
this is at a job where this is the job they failed. They're supposed to intimidate a judge into giving Case's brother. Remember, Case is the drug uh, lord that comes yeah. back. Uh, giving Case's brother an innocent verdict. It was not guilty verdict, excuse me. Uh, it was not going to be a j- jury trial because there was too much uh, jury tampering. So they were just okay. going to do it by the judge. And so the gangster decided to tamper with the judge instead. So the idea is that they will go into the judge's house and rough him up a little, but he leaves too early because one of the murdered mamas, murders mama, Uh. excuse me, real attorneys general, uh, got stuck in traffic. (laughs) It's like, get there a couple hours early, guys. Come on. Oh, this book, uh, I should say, uh, features possibly the stupidest criminals presented in a serious book. Like, it's not a farce. (laughs) They're supposed to be good at their jobs and they're terrible at them. Um, so instead of roughing up the mayor or the, uh, judge, they are now going to rough up his wife and put him on, put her on the phone and say like, Hey, you better or whatever. And so this is just, uh, some samples of the writing. Hun, she began to say the wife as she turned around, she thought she was about to see her husband walking in because he had forgot something like he always did. However, two guns were pointed directly at her. Ah, the lady yelled. <laughs> In sheer terror as she dropped the spatula and froze in fear. Shut up, bitch. Listen to what I say and nobody will get hurt, Robin ordered as she approached the lady and grabbed her by the back of the neck. Uh, Ah! ah. Uh, It goes wrong, though, because in the midst of uh, professional assassins, a person enters a room they weren't expecting and they immediately shoot that person. And it turns out... Robin kneeled on the floor with a smoking gun in her hands. The wife was crying hysterically, but Robin had blocked out her cries. The only thing she could focus on was the eight-year-old girl who lay bleeding in the living room's entryway. Jesus! Tears streamed down Robin's face as her hands shook and her heart ached. Guilt overcame her as the eyes of the dead girl stared into nothing. What Robin and Aries didn't plan for was for the judge's daughter staying home sick and being there during the caper. Robin accidentally shot the young girl when she came into the living room to ask her mom for more juice. Robin's instinct was to shoot first and ask questions later. In her world, it was a good instinct to have, but in this case, it was the wrong move. Jesus Christ, that's a quite the... That was on page 20. Oh, yeah, the lady got uh, put to death by the state is the beginning of this book. Uh, Robin does, and then it flashes back. All right. Uh, We flash back again to uh, understand why Case wants the mayor of L.A. dead. At the beginning of this book, Case, the drug drug kingpin, at the beginning of this book, Case tells Ares, I want the guy who is running for mayor of L.A. and looks like he's in the lead to die. I want you to kill him. Okay. Okay. Keep that in mind. So she says, what happened? And they used to go way back. And that's not enough. What actually happened? And it turns out that he lost his girl to her. Uh, oh, to, that's To why. the mayor. Yes. Cool. So uh, Fatima is his, Case's original girlfriend and will later become Macy, the mayor's M for mayor, M for Macy. Okay. Um, uh, her, his wife. But this is how they get together. Um, Fatima was impressed by Macy's intelligence, and she realized that there were many layers to the young hustler before her. Case had a one-track mind, but Macy was multifaceted, and he was showing her a side to him that made her look at him in a new light. 
This writing is so clunky. Very, very clunky. It's so clunky. And so, I get like, I get that writing often sounds clunkier when you read it out loud. Uh, this sounds real clunky. Listen, writing should be be able. Obviously, some writing is made to be read out loud. Shakespeare, for example. Ooh. Poetry is made to be read out loud. But even novel writing should be like... You should be able to yeah. hear it. The audio version, the audiobook version should not be that cringy. So eight pages later, they're not having sex. And I know that that might sound like it's like, oh, what a jump. Eight pages later, they're already having sex. But believe me, it did not need to take eight pages for them to have sex. Wait, which two characters? Uh, Fatima, Fatima and... Macy, the Macy. mayor. Macy, okay. Uh, they get drunk and play like truth or dare, more or less. And so every so often, this just jumps for no reason into, like, sexually explicit. Like, at one point, Ares, who's living this double life as this, like, uh, housewife, <clears throat> picks her kid up and goes and, like, smooches her husband awake. And he reaches into her pants and fingers her juicy clit. Ugh. And it's like, and she says, no, like, the kid's right here. So at least the character's on the same part. But, like, why did we have to be involved in this? And whatever. Uh, so this is, I'm just going to say this because it's very funny to say out loud. This my pussy, Macy asked while putting his thing down. He was hitting her so good that her fingernails dug into his back, leaving her mark. Yes, Macy, it's yours, she moaned. You gonna give my shit away, he whispered. No, baby, ooh, it's yours. I swear I'm never giving it away, she promised. I love you, Macy. Yuck. Indeed. Um, so those are my previous sticky notes when I thought it was just the uh, quotes. And there's one last one, um... That should begin to show you where things are going wrong. Macy, uh, we get into uh, his... He is the main character in this book. Okay. We read more about him than anybody else. He, is it like, are we first person, third person? It is, what tense are we oh in? Oh my gosh. It is, at the very least, a past tense book. So it does have that going for it. But it is a third person, uh, omnipresent book. Like, it can look into anybody's okay. mind. But the problem with this is it does that to everybody in mid-paragraph. It doesn't really switch around. It tells you why someone was doing something at the exact same time someone else is wondering why they're doing it. It It, it is – I don't often uh, go by the rule show, don't tell, because it's like you have to tell people the small yeah. things and sh therefore show them the big things. Like, yeah. you, have to show, you have to tell them what the face looked like to show them what this person actually wants, right? Yeah. And so that doesn't always make sense because people are like, you said a detail, it can't count. But this one is, oh, too far the other way. So we are told by Case at the beginning of the book, my old business partner is running for mayor of LA. It looks like he's going to win. I need you to kill him because he's promising a bunch of stuff. Later on in the book, Macy has been mayor of LA for several years now. <laughs> He uh, ran on nothing about cleaning up the streets. Case uh, funded his entire campaign. And now that he's in there, he's changing and is cracking down on crime, including cases. That is Midnight Sins level, though, of like basically forgetting oh, where you're at in you your own book. you have no idea. And also, uh, it turns into later Case says, actually, change the plan. I want you to kill him what the plan was the whole time but the yeah. book forgets that and thought it was supposed to be a kidnapping for ransom oh no there's absolutely no consistency even beyond like it says it's written by two people and i think that each one got to write a chapter at a time and didn't yeah. read what the other one wrote yikes um and so macy is the mayor he has a uh 
he's the son he raised that he knows isn't his. It's Case's son, Boomer, uh, is addicted to drugs and he's <gasps> acting out. Oh no! And he's embarrassing him. And Boomer steals some money and goes on a multi-day uh, coke binge with hookers and stuff like that. And Macy tracks him down. I'll have your money, Boomer said, as he stood up and wiped the blood that trickled from his forehead because his dad hit him in the head with a gun. Bitch, he added, to add insult to injury. He would forever regret those words. That single word sent... Those words. That single word. Same fucking paragraph. St. Macy over the edge, and he turned around, drew his gun, and put a hollow tip through Boomer's head. Jesus. Macy didn't even think twice about what he had just done. As in, he had done it. Cool. That yeah. was, like, I'm not thinking twice. It's not he hadn't thought twice. Yeah. It was he didn't think twice about what he had just done. Just as quickly as rage had entered Macy's mind, guilt crept in. As he saw his son lying on the floor staring into space, he began to think about his wife. Fatima and Boomer share the same eyes, and that was the hardest thing he'd ever done, but he knew that if he didn't do it, Boomer would have eventually killed him. Boomer's hate for Macy was deep, and it wasn't a secret. Sounds right. like he thought twice. What? Sounds like he thought twice. Sounds like he thought twice. Now he's like, shit, that sucks, but it was necessary. Next paragraph. The guards, his bodyguards, were totally taken off guard, terrible sentence, by Macy's actions, never thinking that he would or could kill his own son. Macy slowly knelt down and gently kissed Boomer on the forehead. He then ran his head over hand over Boomer's face so that he could close the eyes that seemed to be staring directly at him. Macy had just done something that he could never take back. Three paragraphs. Three entirely different interpretations of one action. And, like, that's not even, like, later on he changes his feelings about it. Like, you're right, that's instant. This is all within seconds of this thing happening. Yeah, um, and so he kills his son, and we get some fun uh, anti-Asian racism uh, as uh, Macy sends his bodyguard to an Asian... Uh, the the uh, receptionist for the hotel is Asian, and it's just, like, straight up and down racist. Yeah, no, it's don't fun. like that. Um, and then the he's keeping this a secret that he's the one who killed the son from his wife, pretty understandably. Yeah. Um, and so the police come to the door, and it's like, hey, he had a bunch of drugs. He died in a drug thing. Yeah. Right? Because the, the bodyguard successfully and racistly got the surveillance footage away. The police show up to the mayor's door, knock on the door, and like, hey, your son was found dead in a drug shooting. Bye. And they just leave. No questions. Not like I know that like that's like their boss or whatever because he's the mayor and not running for mayor like the book said. Um, but at the same time, it would be like, did he have any enemies? When was the last time you saw him? Yeah. Did you hear from him? You're going to ask some questions of the parents. Yeah, I don't think it was going to be. Did you kill him? Like that's not going to happen. But they're probably going to be a good source of information about like his whereabouts and activities and who he spends time with. Yeah, and they're just like your son's dead. We need you to come to the morgue. Bye, and they leave. Anyway, um <clears throat> we get some fun clichés and some if this was a freshman writing a paper, I'd say they have uh they are on the right track and they might be good at writing yeah. here pretty soon if they were a freshman in high school. So here's the uh clichés. Macy, uh, blah, 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 is sad. 
He's at the funeral. Meanwhile, Case was on the other side of what? I don't know. Itching to get to Macy. He had always had a slight jealousy issue with Macy. He believed that Macy purposely kept him underneath him and stunted his growth in the drug game. He believed that Case only gave him a chance to grow once he himself was out of the drug game. Case didn't understand that it wasn't Macy keeping him from growing, but his own brute approach and lack of business skills. Now, at the beginning of the book, when he goes to Barbados to confront Ares to make her do this thing, the yep. character that hasn't showed up since Case's scene in Barbados, yep. Case is like this locked down, invincible, runs everything kind of character. And then in this tell don't show, it's like, yeah, he's a kind of a big fuck up and lazy. And then here's some cliches that are fun. The birth of that green-eyed monster that society calls jealousy came into play years ago. It was when Macy didn't allow Case to meet the out-of-town coke contact that we got several pages of reference for that doesn't matter. Casey always believed that he and Macy were equal partners until that day. Case could remember it like it was yesterday, dot, dot, dot. Um, oh, I got to uh, Macy was the brains and Case was the muscle. They both understood their role and everything was smooth. But as the old saying goes, once envy enters, reason leaves. This, hold, this was a prime example of that saying. And it didn't show up until Macy was on his way to Florida to visit the Coke connection. That's terrible. Also, is that an old saying? I don't know. I've never heard that one before. Uh, at one point, uh, Fatima is, is coming to terms with uh, her son being dead. She finds the the husband, Macy, comes in and is like, hey, go to the spa. Go shop. Here's my credit card. Because women like to shop. Yeah. Always be shopping. And so she takes his car and the motherfucker put his bloody murder clothes in the trunk and she finds them and tries to excuse it. And so she goes to the beach to think for four paragraphs and then goes somewhere else. Why did you go to the beach for four paragraphs if it's just going to be, hmm, I sure am sad. I wonder who did this. Bet it wasn't the guy that left a bunch of bloody clothes in the car for no reason. Well, that's the thing is that then she goes home. Um, does she have any idea it was you? She overhears the bodyguard saying. Her heart fell and she felt as if someone had snatched the air from her lungs. She hoped that she had heard it wrong and she held her breath as she waited for Macy to respond. Nah, she doesn't know. It's all bad right now though, fam. That shit is eating, is eating me up. Every day I'm looking her in the eyes knowing I killed Boomer. I've handled many dudes before, but Boomer is eating me alive, Macy admitted. She's my wife and I took a piece of her soul away. I don't think she will ever be the same. I hope she's not listening behind the door right now to hear me giving you this exposition. What are you talking like that for? Who talks like yeah, that? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Although leaving the bloody murder clothes in the car doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. Uh, so so now she knows, obviously. So now she knows. She runs back to Case, who had been her original boyfriend. Uh, Case, at that at this point, now promises to kill the guy he had already hired somebody to kill, changing it from the kidnapping that had never been mentioned before. Yeah. Um, and so I have a question. Yes. So Fatima goes back to an old boyfriend from 20 plus years ago. Yeah. Because she has clearly been with 
Macy for a while because they yeah. had an adult child. 18 years old, but it wasn't it wasn't Macy's. It was Case's. And he didn't know. And so she goes back and tells him. And he's going to have a bunch of sex with her to get back at Macy. Yeah. Okay. Um. So now she goes back. And in her trauma, she just is going to bone down with him a lot. Now, this is possibly, there were typos throughout, but s- such things happen, I suppose. Like a period and then an M, and then the next sentence, like the M is just mistyped or no yeah. space after a period or whatever. But within about a scene and a half of her going back to Case, it refers to Case as Macy several times. It gets the names wrong. I had to read through it. I'm like, is he here? Is she thinking about her husband? Nope. Just got the names wrong. Classic Laura Lee behavior right there. Indeed. But now they're going to have sex. And he hasn't had sex with her in several years. She's still really hot. It made sure to mention that her husband... Wait, several years or like 18 years? 18 years. Okay. It uh, made sure to mention that uh, the mayor had bought her some nice fake titties. And so therefore she's still hot. Ah. Um, Is that what it takes to still be hot? Apparently. Um, And so... They are having sex. Usually, Case can last for hours. Oh, but, but she's, she's just too so hot. Good, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I am happy to report that quote. This would undoubtedly be the most satisfying nut he ever busted. Gross. Uh, I am also happy to report that uh, at one point she sees him and it makes, quote, making her southern lips swell and drool with anticipation. Ugh. So while she, uh, the wife, is at the at Case's house, we finally get back to the main character featured on the cover and the back of the book. Oh yeah, I forgot about Aries. Yeah, what's Aries? So up do the to? authors. Um, Aries has been slowly but surely over a period of time of question marks, uh, getting closer and closer to the mayor. To well, we don't see this at all. No, to kidnap slash kill him, whatever the the plot said it was. Uh, And so she kills his limo driver uh, after the wife has sped away. And so he's too distracted. Uh, He gets in the limo. She stops the limo, gets out, then points a gun at him and tells him to get in the trunk. Now, you're already in control of where he's going. You're in the driver's seat. Why'd she stop? I don't know. And what's more, she points the gun at him, takes her wig off, shows her, like, put a fucking ski mask on. Yeah. If this is supposed to be a kidnapping, what the hell are you doing? If you see somebody's face during a kidnapping, they're gonna kill you. That's the, this is where it gets like, okay, we were in just like, I don't know that you're really that good of writers at this stuff. And into these characters are idiots. They are bad at crime. Yeah, that's pretty, I feel like that's pretty basic. She puts him in the trunk, does not tie him up in any manner. This is a professional fucking assassin. The best in the game we're led to believe. She does not tie him up. She references the fact that he's usually strapped, does not frisk or take any of his guns away that she thinks she he has. Good choice. It turns out he doesn't, so I guess he wasn't strapped that she said he was. Then why do we need to have that on I there? don't know. And doesn't take his cell phone. <laughs> so he calls he calls well, don't from worry. The, the trunk of the car? Well, the trunk is too thick, it can't get a signal out. That's and it's not how that works. And it's like this is not nineteen ninety two. This is twenty fourteen. Yeah. Like, this is iPhones and Androids. And it's, it, 
I feel like when they're writing, they're in the trunk. He's like, well, what would you do if you're in the... I know, you'd call somebody. And so how do we keep him locked up if he's able to call somebody? Instead of going two paragraphs backwards and saying she took his phone, his phone they away. just said, well, he can't get through the trunk. And so what he does instead is he punches out and kicks out the tail lights and waves at the back. But luckily, Ares has the hired goons. There was supposedly a woman... The she never shows up. Uh, it's two guys afterwards uh, that are the hired goons. And they uh, catch him and knock him out in the trunk. Still don't tie him up. Just hit him in the face with a gun, which they do a lot in this book. Uh, but he passes out for the perfect amount of time to get him into this safe house. Um, and so she is uh, now has the mayor of Los Angeles, who is uh, missing a bunch of work thanks to his wife going off the deep end and thanks to murdering his uh, son that he raised, uh, is quickly the net is coming around the mayor as well, which yeah. should have been exciting a little bit. Um, oh my God. So now uh, he is tied up. Case comes around and says... Finally, we got you. You owe me money. That was not part that of this. That was not part of this at all. And so he's like, "Call your bodyguard. I need street money, not okay. money from a bank." So it was originally about the mayor to be's policies that yes. were going to threaten case. Yes. Then it was about the he girl, stole the woman. girlfriends, but still going to murder him. Now it's about money. Yes. And we're just kidnapping but not murdering? Or yeah. are we back to murder? We are back to murder in the book, but in this scene, he's still looking for kidnapping and ransom. So he's already said he's going to kill him in the book. Okay. Twice. But he's he's gone if from... If that was the plan, why didn't she no. just kill him when she... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the beginning of the book, it is kill him. Then it in the uh, second part of the book is, I was just going to kidnap him, but I'll kill him for you, baby. Yeah. And now it's, I've kidnapped him. My plan is complete. So we're like moving backwards. And so he hands him the phone to call the bodyguard and he says, don't do anything crazy. Don't try and like give out where you are. Just say you need this money. And it can't be the fact that you're rich. You just can ha- give me money. It has to be street money. What does that mean? I don't know. Untraceable, I assume. But if it comes out of a bank from someone's account, it would be untraced. Like it's cash from a bank, not robbed, but yeah. like a withdraw. Whatever. So the mayor gets on the phone to call his bodyguard, the same one who watched him kill his son, then was racist to the receptionist lady. And this is him uh, in front of the guy who has a gun pointed at his head saying, don't do anything funny. He says, I just need that big E. In 48 hours, I need you to have that paper for me. I need 720000 which is not a lot for what we've been led to believe the coke yeah. kingpin of LA and the mayor who used to be a coke kingpin. I was expecting it to be in the millions. Yeah. It can't come from the bank. I'm going to be tied up until you get that for me, Macy stated, hoping that Idris was catching the subtle clues that Macy was getting him. That's not a subtle clue. Yeah. That's not like, I'm really busy. I'm tied up. You didn't say anything about being busy. You literally only said, I'm, I'm tied, tied up. up. Yeah. And the, the guy doesn't get it. Case doesn't see through that he's trying to tell him. Okay. And so then... Uh, but yeah, that makes sense, though, because Case is alternatively a mastermind and a criminal genius, but also not that smart, remember? Indeed. And so uh, then... Big E, who we get to read a couple of uh, chapters from, goes and finds Chicago Leroy or something like that. 
The Pimp. Chicago Larry. You know how yeah. it's the 1970s in L.A. still? So he goes and finds a pimp because it is a, a hooker that stole Macy's street money from Boomer. Boomer robbed Macy. The hooker robbed Boomer. Macy killed Boomer. Doesn't know where the money is. And so he's like, this pimp runs a lot of L.A. And if, if anybody knows where this money is, it's going to be this pimp. So the pimp uh, is at... He's getting his nails done and has, like, a, a perm and is, like, Huggy Bear from the 70s or something. I don't know. It, it was, like, something out of Black Dynamite, like creamed corn yeah. from Black Dynamite. And so he uh, says, well, I'll, I'll find it. And the guy leaves, and he immediately, in the restaurant, calls and says, dig this. Pack up all our shit. We are leaving a little bit earlier than we planned. Bitch. I will be there in 10 minutes. You better be ready in five, Chicago said just before he hung up the phone and took a deep breath. He thought that he would have more time before he had to flee town. The hooker who stole the money from Boomer was his bottom girl, and he was the one who told her to rob her client. He didn't know it was Macy's son until everything came out in the news. His popularity in pimping, which is actually kind of a fun sentence, uh, actually worked out against him in this case, and Idris knew exactly who to look for when something went down the strip. Did you hear in that last sentence that it switched who the subject of the sentence is mid-sentence yes it did uh and then of course the guy is still in the parking lot and is just follows him chicago regretted staying in town and not splitting when he first got the money his greed wouldn't let him miss the upcoming friday and saturday those two days were his most lucrative and he didn't want to miss out on some good old-fashioned trick money damn he thought to himself as he shook his head from side to side in resentment so, Chicago Larry is then put into the passenger side, and the, the hooker that Chicago Larry had with him is put into the trunk by Big E, Macy's hey. uh, bodyguard. And if you, had to, if you had to guess what Big E does to prepare the hooker to go into the trunk... Ties her up. Ties her up, or... Takes does, her phone away. Does something. She doesn't have a phone in this case, but she once again knocks the taillight out and waves at traffic. And it's like, now... Is that apparently the type of thing that J.J. Bittenbinder would tell you to do if you ever... I was just going to reference J.J. Bittenbinder. If you ever got uh, into a trunk, yeah, probably. But the fact that it happens two separate, unremarked upon times in 50, 60, 100 pages, that's just bad writing. Too much, yeah. Um, And this time, it is not the backup that Big E brought. It is the cops and... He lets Chicago wind or she's not there yet. He gets to the stash house with uh, Chicago Larry. Gets Chicago Larry gets the other half of the money and is now going to drive back. He had to kill the hooker that it was stashed at and Chicago Larry because the hooker pulls a gun on him. So Biggie shoots him and Chicago Larry has been a coward and like meekly bending for whatever Biggie is pushing on him. Like, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't know that this was the thing. Like. Hate fair's fair, right? I'll get you that money. And then, no, there's a bridge too far. Chicago Larry picks up the gun and Big E has to shoot him too. So he leaves. He's driving the money back to his boss, the mayor of Los Angeles. And he's pulled over since there is a hand waving out of the trunk. Yes. And he it goes into like, I have a gun. I have a million dollars. And there is a white woman in, the, in my trunk. Mm-hmm. And it gets worse. She's dead. In the trunk. She suffocated from lack of oxygen. But didn't she... What? Didn't she punch Wait, out the taillight? What? So wouldn't there have been fresh air coming in? What? Also, 
It's a trunk, not a sleeping bag that's been sealed. I don't think trunks are airtight and no matter she what. she really been in there for that no, long? No. She hadn't. Um, and so we uh, get to now the uh, bodyguard is going to turn state evidence on the mayor. The noose is tightening, right? Um, just in the middle of Ares' story... We get to hear about some other murder. Mo- it is literally like, look at this. The book is yeah, we're we're two thirty six. We should be wrapping up. The book is two thirty six. This is on page one sixty eight. We just get to have some fun reminiscing of the murder mama's capers, Love and that. one of them was to uh, murder a man, but cut his dick off first. Okay, cute. All right. This is uh, involves sexual assault in prison, but I just think that the uh, paragraph is it has to be read. From what Black told me, his this is the guy who hired them. His last name is Black. From what Black told me, his brother weighs... This is not a dialogue. This is narration. Uh, from what Black told me, his brother weighs... No, it must be dialogue, but still. Weighs a buck twenty-something soaking wet. The story is that Fabian was violating Black's little brother in jail, doing him real dirty. You know, raping him and shit. Ugh. And it's like, who would ever think that they have to finally uh, get to that one? Uh, and so we get... Eight pages of let's kill this guy that is already dead at the beginning of our book. We flash back to a different caper. Eight pages of this woman we haven't met in this book. Mia Moore is uh, have going pretending that she's going to have sex with this dude. We get some fun homophobia because he was in prison and did dudes and so no way. Which, whatever. And so we get eight pages of her, like, stringing him along, saying, where the fuck are the rest of them? This is taking too long. And for once, I agree with the characters in the book. This, this is taking, is taking too, long. too long. And then they cut off his dick, but he escapes. <laughs> what a fun story. And then we go back to the original story. Here it, oh, uh, now we, uh, the wife tries to pull out uh, stuff from a safety deposit box. Wait, uh, whose wife? The mayor's wife. Okay. Uh, who now knows that... Uh, She's in over her head. Her husband killed her son, but the other guy, she's not going to stay with either. Something went wrong. I can't remember. And so now she goes into the bank to withdraw a bunch of money to skip town, and the cops uh, pull her over for, uh, you know, you're, want, you're a person of interest. Your yeah. son died and your husband's one for murder because the, the bodyguard flipped state evidence. So it's like, this should be exciting. This should be the noose is tightening on all of our characters. It yeah. is coming in. The, the state. The action. Exactly. Yeah. The state is coming in on the mayor, but the mayor is currently kidnapped by a drug kingpin and his assassin yeah. that didn't want to be, you know. It's all about to yeah. come together. You know, uh, Tim Roth and, and Harvey Keitel are pointing guns at each other yeah. in the warehouse in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, and we get the police detectives questioning the mayor's wife, who immediately starts talking. It does specifically shout out, uh, uh, she made the mistake of not asking for an attorney and just kept answering and answering. Like, literally, they're like, so how's your day? And she's like, I didn't know he was going to kill him. Like, ugh. The detective shook his head. Quote, we w- who would have thought? She basically just sealed her fate. I had no reason to suspect her of anything until she just opened her mouth. We need an arrest warrant for case. First name basis, no last name for this. And we need to find Macy Seigel. The, the, the Seigel. I don't know. Yeah. S-I-G-E-L. S-I-G-E-L. Seigel. Seigel? That doesn't sound right. Macy, whatever. She just helped me call her the two biggest criminals in the city. 
the captain shook his head, something, something. He wasn't going to extend any gratitude to her, not a, a cut or a deal type of thing. No, arrest her for accessory to kidnapping. She's the mayor's wife. The press is going to have a field day with this one, boys. Pull out your best suits and make sure your uniforms are clean. We've got ourselves a case. Oh, my God. God. And I think if that had been a criticism of the police that they're in it to like get the best story and make themselves look good, that yeah. would have been fine. Nope. Just but it's bad just writer. written really badly. Yeah. Um. This is where it goes really wrong. It starts going more wrong? This is where it becomes now? a complete failure of a book and not just like small mistakes. On page 205, we stop indenting. 204. We just stop Ooh, indenting. Yep, the formatting yep, of the do. book just falls apart for two and a half pages. Case is now doing a bunch of coke, which the rest of the book has never led us to believe that he ever got high in his own supply. Yeah. And now he's so mad, he's going to do a bunch of coke, and he rushes out of the, the, the house shirtless and with an assault rifle to go over to the hideout where Macy very easily has put doubt into their heads and one kid's going to let him out and then he shoots the kid to escape, right? But Case is on his way to the stakeout, the safe house, shirtless, high on coke, angry and crazy with an assault rifle. Yeah. He gets over there to find uh, that uh, he reached the trap spot and sniffed another gram of coke on his way there, right? He finds the other hoodlum that, that he had hired to help Ares out. Jordan, the one that let him out, has been killed. Uh, Ares went to go make a phone call back home to war- to basically tell her husband her entire backstory. Uh, and now Harlow went out to go get food. Harlow's coming back. Case sees him coming back and says, why aren't you here? Oh, I left him there. Damn, Jordan, Harlow whispered as he kneeled down and closed the dead eyes of his childhood friend. Fuck that little dude. Where is Macy? That's what you need to be worried about. He calls Ares. Case put the phone to his ear while he paced back and forth. Case is at the house. Okay. Calls Ares. Finally, Ares picked up. Hello, Ares answered. Please tell me that Macy is with you, Case said between in between clenched teeth. What the fuck are you talking about? Ares asked as she was pulling into the driveway of the trap house. Fuck Case yelled as rage overcame him. Where the fuck are you? I'm walking in. Uh, she goes and jumped at the sound of a gun blast. Case stood over the two bodies with a smoking gun. He was so mad at the incompetence of his goons that they decided to lay down Harlow as well. Uh, the so mix- they're both at the house. All four people are at the house now. Two two of them are dead. Case kills Harlow. The mixture of the cocaine and blind rage had turned him into a madman, and he was out for blood. His deep hatred made his blood boil more at the thought of escaping his clutches. The wife kills herself in jail. Uh, then we go... Blah, 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 blah. The mayor is getting announced on TV. After he escapes from the house, I thought we maybe just like rewound a little bit in time to see yeah. his escape. Uh, blah, 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 blah. He's getting some money from a state representative. Aries felt extreme relief after hearing her husband's voice. She called him to give her entire, like, hey, you need to come to uh, uh, Las Vegas. I'll meet you in Las Vegas. Okay. I told these stupid-ass dudes not to go anywhere. She mumbled as she parked curbside and turned off her engine. So now she's pulling it's into the house again? the same scene. From her perspective? No. It's the same scene, but completely different. It is her arriving at the house to find that Macy has escaped and that Jordan is dead. Um, in this, 
in this version of the same oh scene that has already happened. She, fuck, she shouted when she saw Jordan's body sprawled across the floor. She kicked the boy's dead body in utter frustration. She wanted to call Case to tell him what had gone down, but feared the wrath of But he's spent. there. He's at the house. No message about Harlow, the third guy who went to go get fast food and came back and Case killed originally. A complete failure. A complete failure. This is not bad writing. This is not typos. This is not awkward prose. This is a complete failure of a book. The climactic scene, the thing that matters most in a book is fucked up. They fucked it up. They they did it wrong. What happened? And so she runs away. Roscoe the bum makes a short appearance, and he has the bum from a 1920s cartoon. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, my bad, my bad. Old Roscoe get crazy sometimes. Ain't this some shit? The mayor talking to me. What a day. What a day. That is just a terrible stereotype, uh, and I hate it. Uh, Macy escapes L.A. How could you have been so stupid? Aries fussed herself. Stupid, stupid. She hit the steering wheel. Aries felt panicked because she knew that actually finding Macy was an impossible feat. She's never going to find him. She's going to run. And she called her husband, Prince, in Barbados. In Barbados. I thought he was meeting her in Las Vegas. Well, I, I think that this must have been a time. He called, she called her him to say, hey, I'm going to be a couple more days or whatever. Cause, okay. So now it's the, hey, come meet me in Las Vegas. I'm okay. not what you thought I am. You need to come to Las Vegas. I'll explain everything. Uh, bring our son with you. Uh, pack a, don't pack a bag. Leave immediately. Aries is now assumedly in LA, or in Las Vegas. She placed paced back and forth. Uh, Aries watched the passengers begin to come down in the bag air, bag area. Once the passengers dispersed a bit, I'm skipping a lot. Uh, she frowned. Where is he? She asked herself aloud as she put her hands on her hips in frustration. Just as Aries was about to call, she heard her phone ring. Lee flooded her when she saw Prince's number on her screen. Where are you? You're going to be waiting for a long time, bitch. Aries' stomach went hollow as soon as she heard Case's voice. Case, in this version of the story, apparently made it to Barbados, or his henchmen made it back from Barbados in time to deliver him her husband's phone. She, he has killed her husband. The high on coke madman gonna chase down Macy with an assault rifle shirtless that was at the trap house met her to discover that Macy had disappeared. Somehow made it from fucking Los Angeles, California. To Barbados. To Barbados. In the Caribbean. To get the phone. To call and say, I killed your husband. Oh my god. But don't worry, despite the fact that dad was coming to Las Vegas to meet the mom to hash out who she actually is. What's going on? Why did you make us leave? Why were those strange men you pointed out? Why did you have a gun in this house? Don't worry. He left the son in the panic room because it turns out that he wasn't leaving when they caught him. They busted into the house and didn't bother checking the house for the son. So the son's still alive in a panic room. How's he going to get out? That is locked. She gets this from Las Vegas and apparently goes all the way back to Barbados to find he's still in the panic room. I don't know. If someone can suffocate in a trunk that has an open headlight, I'm pretty sure they would suffocate in a panic room. 
Then we skip to... Oh my god, there's more? Yeah. Case Puff to Spliff, uh, the Macy and, or Macy the Mayor and Case both get out of Los Angeles. Okay. The, no, no, not okay. The whole of the city's police forces are looking for them. Okay. He's the fucking mayor. <laughs> but Case goes first. Case puffed six months later. Case pluffed a spliff as he watched the young girl go down on him. Gross. His toes curled as his dick disappeared and reappeared repeatedly as she devoured him. Life was good in Arizona. He fled LA. He was now moving weed across the Mexican border. He was so engrossed in the sexual act that he never heard the bedroom door open. Gross. He had gotten careless. It wasn't until he felt the girl stop performing fellatio that he opened his eyes. Just say blowing him. Yeah. Or it wasn't until he felt her stop that he yeah. opened his eyes. Keep going. What you? His words were slapped out of his mouth by the barrel of Aries handgun. That happened a lot. Yeah, Case we spit really out love hitting people in the face Pistol whipping. He spit out two of his teeth as he watched the young girl freeze in fear. Get your clothes on and leave, Aries stated. She once again is here to kill a man fresh-faced. Put a fucking ski mask on. You're and a criminal. Also just, like, hurry up and kill him. Does she kill him? Yes. Okay. What Case didn't know is that Ares wanted him to die. Slowly, she placed the gun directly between his legs and fired. Ah! Case screamed as his most, ah! pri- as his most private of parts exploded. Uh, she lets him get up off the chair and start wrestling before she shoots him in the stomach and he dies. Cool. What about Macy? Macy swept the floors of the empty elementary school. It was 3 a.m. He got a job as a uh, uh, janitor because North Dakota doesn't watch the news. And so the mayor of fucking Los Angeles that was also just running for mayor at the beginning of the book is now the janitor and he has Despite his Despite the fact that everyone knows that he murdered his son. Macy wished that he had someone to come home to. Years of being loved with his wife had spoiled him. Good gravy. Uh, Macy turned on the water and splashed water in his face. When he came back up, all color had left his face at the face in the mirror behind him like a scary movie cliche. Aries stood unflinchingly cold with a gun pointed at the back of his head. You came after me, he stated. Because of you, I'm a widow. No, because of you, you're a widow. Aries pulled back the hammer of the gun. Click. All she had to do was pull the trigger. She doesn't. Why? Why not? Because she already killed enough people. Uh, as she went to the door, she locked it and then rubbed the tattoo. She's in the hotel like the end of Kill Bill. She remembered. So what happens to him? He just keeps being a janitor at an elementary school in North Dakota? Yeah, she says, well, just live your life with the knowledge that I can come kill you at any time. That's the worst than dying. How did she find him if the entire world could Because she's the him? best. The best at not wearing a ski mask. Uh, so, like, you know, remember at the end of Kill Bill 2, whether, like, it ends with uh, the daughter watching cartoons, and meanwhile, the bride is is crying in the bathtub for everything that happened, and kind of working, she's laughing and crying, and it's a whole thing. Well, that kind of is basically it. She's in the hotel room, son's sleeping, she goes into the, the uh, uh, bathroom. She remembered the day when she and her girls had pledged their allegiance to the game and gotten the tattoos inked on. That seemed like so long ago. Whoever would have thought, who would have ever thought... That I'd be the last one standing, she thought. Two thoughts, one sentence. Uh, Beatrice, Anissa, Mia Moore, Robin, people we haven't met in this book except in flashback. Rest in peace, mamas. I love you bitches forever, but it's time to let it go. A single tear slid down her face because there had been so many good times. 
What? She would miss them every day, and because of the lessons they had taught her, she would value every breath that she took. She would live life to the fullest on behalf of them all. R.I.P., ladies, out loud she sang this. I'll never forget you. The end. Who are we rooting for in this book? Are we supposed to root for Ares? Remember when I said that this is the most complete failure of a book I, I think I've ever read? Midnight Sins stands untouchable because it's it was a failure at every level. This one was awkward and bad, but it wasn't a failure of knowing what was happening. But it, much like Midnight Sins, uh, renames its characters. It calls them the wrong names. It changes their personalities wildly multiple times. Not to mention changes details of the inciting incidents. And as what? As well as the fucking climax of the book happens twice in two different ways. It's unthinkable that this can happen. I could shit on a Word document. And it would get published, apparently. How can this happen? It's unthinkable. This could not have had an editor. It's from, like, a publishing company. This is not a Kindle-exclusive self-published. Yeah, it wound up at the library. Yeah, it has. It's, like, of a series. Maybe that's why they didn't put their last names as the authors. That is rough. It, maybe that's like the Alan Smithy of books. Ashley Andraquavius. You just don't want to say who you are, so you put that down. Because this is unthinkable. It's insane. I was reading the first half like, this isn't very good, but I don't know how I'm going to describe it. Yeah. And then I was going insane. <laughs> how? How did this get... Put onto old trees. We chopped down trees for this. There is no Carol in HR. Oh my god. <gasps> so that's why your sister saw me put this book to my face several times at the end. It's insanity. It is not just bad. It can't happen. What are we even doing? I don't know, buddy. This was all your idea. What 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 does it come to? Oh, I don't know, honey. I took over this review at 26 minutes. I know. <laughs> and, to, and your book was the short one. And to think I was going to go first. <laughs> anyway, oh, I, I, I need a cigarette. I was going to say, what, what do you need to recover from this? It's, it's too bad we did our drinking this weekend because I think I need to put this out of my... I need to lean back and make a spliff and do some coke totally within my uh, character arc, apparently. You need to exercise some demons from this book. No, it turns out that I did I did read the book and I actually liked it. And I can just change the climax of the whole thing at the end, right? Oh my God. Yeah, tell me, tell me what you would have... T- this will pretend that was the actual book you know what would have happened if i had done the if i had written this book let's say we get up to the point where mayor's been kidnapped obviously fucking correct the thing where it's kidnapping versus killing let's say he gets kidnapped states coming in on him they track his limo that she originally kidnapped and they find the limo at something track it from the limo to this stash house here we go Mare's at whatever stash house. He's trying to get out from underneath this thing, kicking the doors right as coked up Case has the uh, assault rifle, right? He's he's just shot 
uh, Harlow, yeah. one of the Marx Brothers. No. <laughs> um, just shot Harlow, obviously very coked up. Case goes down in a hail of bullets with the police. Aries, actually the sort of survivor she's pitched to be. Yeah. Oh my God, thank God you're here. He, he, I like, oh my, it's so scary. I, I didn't know. Uh. Yeah, plays a part. Gets let go, tells the story uh, of her being kidnapped by these two guys. Thought she saw the mayor in a different room or whatever. Mayor tries to escape, gets caught by the police, goes to jail. There you go. Aries is clean free, goes back to Barbados. Been a bad person, was forced to do some bad stuff by Case. Now he's dead thanks to police bullets. Nobody from Case's gang can pin it on her. We're done. We're done. That's the that's the fucking ending of the book. Not fucking janitor in North Dakota. Actually, I'm not going to kill you. See my face? Remember that you're also a murderous gangster? Fuck it. So should I get you another one from the series? No! <laughs> my name is Meg Dickinson. It will continue to be. You can find me on Twitter at Dickimon. You can find the podcast at Bibliovile. You can find me at Susan J. S with three U's. S-A-N-J. And our intro music is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Reread your work, folks. The end. <laughs>